Perfect Psycho Insane. My name is Emerson, and I thank you for joining me on this podcast. I want to let you know we discuss all things regarding mental health, both positive and negative, and that may include some triggering or activating thoughts. On this podcast, I speak openly and freely about my depression, my manias, and everything in between, and that may be triggering for some, if not all of you. I invite you to take a moment. And reflect, if you are in the space, to hear what I have to say without it triggering or activating a thought process in your head that may not be safe for you. Your safety is a priority to me. I invite you to listen. I invite you to share. I invite you to stay. Thank you for joining me. This is Perfect Psycho Insane. Hi, thanks for joining me today. It's Emerson. I wanted to talk a little bit more about who I am beyond bipolar. It's a component, but who am I? Why am I here? Why are we listening to this podcast? Well, I started with the blog. And starting a blog is a lot harder than it used to be. So I thought, well, if I'm starting this, let's try something else too. What the hell? So first and foremost, I'm an artist. I am a creative soul. I am a photographer, an acrylic painter, a watercolorist, mixed media, mixed media attempter, a baby knitter, which I've talked about, mask maker, because, well, we've just come through COVID and we're still living with COVID. I am a collector of weird shit and apparently now a writer and a podcaster. Yes, that's, I am a content creator, but I am not a lifestyle guru. The case in point is when I search for a recipe, I just want the recipes. I don't want your life story. I don't care if your name is Karen or Tiffany or Heather, wherever trendy name of the day is. When I want a life story, I read a blog or listen to a podcast and I read a book or a short story in case you need to hear it. I can be, and I sometimes am, a bitch. And yes, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm not afraid of the term of bitch. In today's society, being a bitch means standing up for yourself, refusing abuse, demanding accountability, and saying my voice deserves to be heard. And mine does. Asking for basic respect is considered being a bitch in today's society. As a friend has said to me, and I have heard others say, do no harm, but take no shit. I don't know how much beyond this podcast, I'll actually talk about my art, the physicality of my art. It's kind of my emotional reset valve. Being an artist is what defines me. It has shaped me. It has saved me. And it has become the one thing I'm most insecure about. I sometimes photograph nature if the mood strikes, but I mainly shoot with models. Black and white images, mainly unpaid. I show my work in galleries and I also sell my work in those galleries. Photography to me serves an instant gratification need 
and it also serves my perfectionist need. I set the scene, I instruct my model on pose, I slowly squeeze that shutter release, and the image appears. In post-process digital, it goes black and white, and manipulations as I desire. Then I hit save. It's constant work with constant change. It feeds this part of me that's really hard to explain, this transitory instancy of it and the permanence of it. I'm also an abstract painter, both in acrylic and watercolor. When I've tried painting or drawing the human form, it looks like Picasso took a hit of acid and fell down on the canvas. It's a fucking disaster. However, abstract painting. When my emotions swirl, I mix and I swipe, I slash and I blur. It's catharsis in its best form. The storm that was once threatening inside of me has now been calm. I sometimes add add collage elements to my work, which is why I claim to attempt at mixed media. I've done art installations and large pieces that will use photography and odds and ends to say what I want to say. And isn't that what all art is? To say what the artist wants to say without using words? Or words, as the case may be in this podcast. I started knitting last year because I'm stuck at home being a responsible human still. And it creates something tangible and usable. While I can knit and I can purl, I can't make complex items yet. Hats, scarves, and blankets we've got covered. There are circles or rectangles, and I can do those. Sweater, starting. But a mitten or a cardigan, no thank you. I'm attempting a shawl on my needles as well. It's a West Knits shawl, so it's complex. But YouTube has been great for learning to knit for me. I can watch and go back and watch and go back and repeat as many times as I need to get it. Sometimes I need to go through it a few times, which leads me to the weird collections. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But for right now, suffice it to say, I've gotten away with it for so long because most of what I collect is useful. To sum it up, I am an impulse shopper who then creates a need to buy more crap and alas needs to buy more stuff that I really don't need. And yet I can rationalize with the best of them to defend every single purchase. You know how I said I collect useful stuff? Well, most of it's useful, but some of it is odds and ends and weird. The collecting of stuff is a defining characteristic of mine. Very few people know about it up until this moment. Most people will buy one or two of whatever they need with an odd obsession for toilet paper notwithstanding. Household items like toilet paper, cleaning supplies, non-perishable foods. I usually purchase one of those and keep one in reserve because invariably somebody uses the toothpaste and doesn't tell me. The last stick of deodorant was taken. The toilet paper was grabbed at 3 a.m. for the other bathroom and no one told mom. Once one is opened, I go buy a new backup pack. There is nothing worse at 10, than 10 p.m. Hey, mom, I need toilet paper and finding that. 
unless it's 3 a.m. and it's me looking for the toilet paper. I would also like to point out in this moment, I know my privilege. I am fully aware of how privileged I am. I have a safe home with plenty of food, heat, electricity, a cell phone, a washer, a dryer, and internet access. And I know not everyone has the financial ability or the space to do what I do, which is why when the TP hoarding started, I was so fucking confused. I bet people are still going through that stash of paper. Seriously. Who needs five Costco-sized packs of toilet paper? Unless you're having a colonoscopy, and in that case, you only need one. I guarantee the fifth one is overkill. Okay, back to the subject of hand and not ranting and raving about toilet paper. Odd collections. I collect usable items, but in excess. Not items that would cause somebody to suffer if they were to go without. Like toiletries? But maybe useful luxuries, perhaps? Is that a thing? Well, now you're definitely asking, what do you collect, Emerson? Well, you're about to find out. I have drinking glasses of all types. I've got a cabinet full. The husband apparently is not amused by that. Insulated bottles and cups. Yep, there's a wire shelf full. Coffee and tea mugs. Yep, lots of people do that. Cast iron teapots and cups, per se. Maybe. Ready for the odd? Do you also collect the tea that goes into those mugs? Because I do. And not just any tea, loose leaf tea. I have a five wire rack shelf loaded down with tea tins and tea pouches because I love tea. I love it. The smell, the consistency, the warmth, the comfort, everything about a cup of tea is amazing to me. I love black tea, green tea, white tea, oolong tea, herbals, flavors, and blends of all of the above, and I've got it all. I used to work in a tea shop, and it created and fueled my tea habit. Okay, so collecting tea, that's not weird enough? Let's talk art supplies. Acrylic paints. I own the rainbow of colors you're going to find at Michael's. I have acrylic mediums to blend and extend those paints. I even have some funky spray acrylics I found when a different art shop was closing. Watercolors, I have pans, I have tubes, and I have brush pens in all the colors, as well as some metallics and iridescent ones too. I have India inks for calligraphy that I haven't done in decades. But the ink is still usable. It hasn't molded or dried up or turned rancid, so I keep it. Alcohol inks for my mixed media projects and blending and making of mugs that I can't microwave or wash in a dishwasher. Now really, how useful are those? Now I have mugs of brushes and palette knives as well as palette wedges to apply the paint with. Did you know there's palette wedges? Because they're really cool, and I've got them. Now let's add in a healthy dose of sketch pads and canvases, because what good is all stuff if you can't put it on anything? Now my favorite and weirdest art supply obsession, 
markers, pens, and pencils. When adult coloring books came out, I went a tad overboard. Like a little bit perfect psycho insane, shall we say? I have four dozen coloring books that I use with my kids. To go with the coloring books, I have all the pencils and pens and markers. And yes, I use all three. I have regular artist colored pencils as well as watercolor pencils. And of course, the regular graphite pencils for basic sketching. Pencils are color sorted in jars, tips up to prevent breakage, all sorted by type. I am nothing if not meticulous with my tools. My pens are stored horizontal to prevent the drying out and ruining of those tips. They are sorted by color, nib type, and ink type. Gel ink, felt tips, alcohol markers are all in different drawer units. My plastic drawers all match and they are lined up precisely. When my drawers don't look uniform, I feel itchy and twitchy. I went out and got new drawers that were all the same to ease that twitch one day. The lack of clean lines irritated me and triggered my OCD. There are enough pens and pencils and markers I can confidently say I could draw a line from the North Pole to the South Pole and back with enough to color some more. Organization makes me happy in this place. The colors are arranged in a rainbow that make me smile. With camouflage and organization added in, you'd have a hard time knowing I probably have over 15,000 pens, pencils, and markers in one small office. I try my best to keep my creative supplies in one room. That includes my yarn stash. Let's not talk yarn because we have wool, bamboo, acrylic, cashmere, silk. Let's not talk. I have straight needles and interchangeable needles too because I bought all the stuff. I have the scissors and the darning needles, and I can focus on one task long enough that maybe I can complete a project. So what else could I collect? What else could be possibly useful, but totally useless? How about some makeup? And I'm talking lipsticks and balms and glosses. Eyeshadow palettes galore. Honestly, the makeup isn't too bad. I mean, what if you need a yellow and teal shadow for a costume? It's must have, right? because I've got it. Black lipstick? Well, that's useful in certain situations. But let's keep going because there's more. I have a perfume collection. Not just three or four, but a decorative cabinet full of scent. All kinds. And it's not only purse sizes and sample sizes, it's the full-size babies too. Last year, I went a, tent, a tad overboard. I thought if I can't wear my lipstick because I'm masking like a responsible human, I can sure as hell scent myself nicely and make and smell divine as I walk by. I was driven by scent and the look of the fucking bottles. If it was a pretty bottle and a scent I liked, I couldn't stop myself. It became a compulsion, an impulse I was powerless to control. I've stopped because I'm out of room. If I keep going, it will become noticeable. Did I mention I tend to camouflage my collections so as not to attract the unwanted questions from outsiders? If everything is camouflaged and organized, is it really hoarding? 
is it really out of control or is it just a collection? So that leads me to my next problem, shopping. Shopping is an obsession all of itself. Shopping and impulse control are cornerstones of being bipolar. They go hand in hand. And while it may seem innocuous and simple and easy, it's not. These behaviors are what define bipolar. They cause the problems. And just because it's tea or perfume or craft supplies doesn't mean it's any less harmful than collecting drug addictions and sexual partners. My budget doesn't allow for this. Yet I've done it and I fight not to continually buy unnecessary items. But I will always be fighting this problem. My mother rewarded me and punished me with things. If I was a good little girl, I got what I was asking for. And if I wasn't a good little girl, well, I didn't. Stuff has been a tool in my life to control me from the day I was born. So my mother, she used stuff to control me. She used money to control me. Control was everything to my mother. So when I became an adult and I wasn't able to indulge, in the manner in which I was used to indulging as a very spoiled child that caused problems, money problems. Because while I don't need 1,500 markers in my room, I have them. And while I don't need all that perfume, I have it. Will I throw it out? Fuck no. Are you insane? That's my job. I'm the insane one in this conversation, not you, me. But shopping. Can't avoid it. And that's the problem. Because what happens when you're out of milk, bread, eggs, cereal, bananas? You have to go shopping. And the grocery store is just as tempting as any store for me. That's the problem with shopping for me. I go in for milk, bread, eggs, bananas, whatever else is needed for dinner and lunch that week. And what do I come home with? Oreos and M&Ms. Are those really needed? And I'm not talking that I bought a little snack bag in the checkout aisle. I bought the $12 five-pound bag of M&Ms at the grocery store. Are you nuts? Anyway, this is what we talk about when we say we have shopping issues. We buy stuff we don't need. It's compulsion. It's impulse control. It's habit. Impulse control. Because I've got none. Show me some beautiful cashmere merino mixed yarn, and I'm buying that hank. Like you wouldn't believe. I don't even look at the price tag until all of a sudden I'm at the register and my total is like $300. And I'm like, on yarn, are you nuts, woman? And it all goes back or it all goes home. And then I, then I'm guilty and I have guilt issues. Yeah, I have guilt. I was raised Catholic. Catholic guilt is like no other guilt known to man. But stuff is stuff is stuff relates to compulsion and impulse control problems. As I stated, 
impulse control is no less damning when it's on yarn and perfume than when it's on illicit drugs and sex. It's still money I don't have to spend. It's still things I don't need. So now that you've gotten a glimpse into who Emerson is behind the closed door, maybe you want to stick around and see what other shit I get into. Because I'm always getting into shit. Shenanigans galore. That's me. I've always been this way. I will always be this way. I have fun while getting into the shit I get into. And then watching me scramble my way out of it, leaving as little behind as possible, is also entertaining. So I hope you'll join me on my journey. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Perfect Psycho Insane. This is Emerson, and I thank you for your time today. I thank you just for being here. Knowing I am not alone is always a comfort to me. I want to invite you to use the resources I have available in case your headspace has changed in listening to me. Resources available are the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. They're at 1-800-273-8255. You can find the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline on your mobile phone at 988. Please reach out to NAMI at nami.org. They are the National Alliance on Mental Health, and they are my best resource, my friends. Thank you for joining me today. I hope to see you next week. This is Emerson. I wish you peace, love, and comfort, my friends.